This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand You could never understand I suppose that was what attracted me to the bicycle right from the start. It is not so much a way of getting somewhere as it it is a setting for randomness. It makes every journey an unorganised tour. It's from Daniel Bannerman, the man who loved bicycles. Bring that heart rate down, change up a gear, get your hands off the bars, step away from the bike. You're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on Radical Radio 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, podcasting, streaming, or like my sister, listening on the transistor in the kitchen. (laughs) Welcome to many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now, living treasures, both of them. We've got a big show coming up, as always. A little bit of news, a little bit of look at um, microgeography and how it works in a city, a livable city. Faith. Yes, do we say it a 15-minute city? I'm going to say a 20-minute city <laughs> without making allowance for the fact that the Yarrabug Show has been a signatory to the international livable city slash 20-minute city cadre for a long time now. <laughs> So when St. Jordan, Peter, St. Joseph, we're out there, we are. And we're not going away quickly because we've been here for a while. Faith, very good to have you on the show. How are you? Good to see you all again. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting a little bit over-enthusiastic It's a here. good start to a Monday. <laughs> it is. And Paula, welcome for the first time to uh, the Yarrabug Radio Show. Hello. Very good to be here. Thank you. I'm sure you're going to become the voice of North uh, of... Uh, Brunswick flyways. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy for that to happen. Uh, there we go. Sorry, Firth. We're rocking along here. It's a uh, God. Autumn changes quickly in Melbourne. Thirty-five degrees in northerlies one day, and a lovely, gentle southerly the next. Yes, it is good. Faith, can you share a bike moment with us? I think it was this morning riding here, and um, that quite blustery headwind. Which and I thought, isn't this a spring thing? Isn't autumn like where you don't have the wind? You know, it had all the other autumn things: the the cool temperature in the morning, the low angle of the sun, 
that's uh, the blustery headwind. Ah, there we go. A little bit of randomness. (laughs) (laughs) Your headwind is my tailwind, of course. Yes, I'm looking forward to going home. There we go. Uh, You can just about smell a touch of salt in that uh, southerly breeze. Look, I had... um, It's actually a little bit pursuant to that uh, quote at the top of the show. In the last month and just last week, I've had one of those lovely moments where you're just riding along and either somebody rides past you or walks past you that you haven't seen for five or six years. There's this instant recognition. You have this lovely five or ten minute catch up. Somebody the other day I haven't seen for six or seven years, new bubs, everything, and completely out of context. Yeah. And the week before that, somebody I hadn't seen for ages. It's just one of those, I've got to say, it's a part of essential part of riding a bike is you just run into people. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a great way to, uh, it has got a great randomness to it, actually, and you can't ride past sometimes. <laughs> and, and you're travelling at the... The scale and the pace that oh, allows yes. you to, yeah. you know, stop and chat and recognise each other and, and uh, all those things. Yeah. So to Ari and Toby, good to catch up with you last week. It was very, <laughs> always very fun. Ah. <laughs> oh. uh, um, a, sh- a bike moment, a gentle well, bike moment. From- a gentle bike moment. Uh, I also love... <laughs> um, Metaphorically, not literally bumping into people I know on the bike. <laughs> but uh, the bike moment that I'd like to share is uh, perhaps preempting what we'll be discussing uh, later this morning, which is that yes, I am a resident of Brunswick. I live in uh, a carless, car parkless apartment, and there is lots of construction going around um, our building in Brunswick. And every morning, I have a lovely chat with the the builders on the site next door and they are often very impressed uh, and intrigued by my cargo bike with the two kids' seats on the back. So I take my uh, six-year-old to school and my three-year-old to daycare and these tradies are, are very intrigued by the cargo bike. And I've sort of had a I've I've been doing my sort of salesmanship um, <laughs> spiel on them, and I'm, I, I hope I'll, I get a commission um, from Cargo Cycles up on Ligon Street. I've sent a lot of customers over that way, but um, the real sort of um, the, the moment that seals the deal is when I explained that the basket on the front of the cargo bike is the perfect size for a case of beer. <laughs> it's interesting how. Um, I mean, we all we do live in a bubble, obviously. But when somebody from outside that bubble sees something like a cargo bike, electric cargo bike, kids and the shopping on it, mm-hmm. people are really astounded. They really are. It. Really, uh, it's taking a while to filter out, but it's getting there. And actually, it's um, it's great, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. it's you know you can. There, the bubbles are more widespread. I think if you're in Castlemaine during school drop off, you'll see. Just as many cargo bikes yeah. as uh, you might in Northcote or Brunswick, and it's um, so there's wherever there's sort of the the space is designed in a way that facilitates that. Um, yeah. There seems to be people quickly recognising that you know these can uh, work really well. Uh, you know, game changer, game changer. A little bit of news. Have we got to faith? Um, the only piece of news I really have to share, sadly, is, um, a cyclist who was hit by a car on Chapel Street on Saturday night, 
um, and has been injured and is in hospital. Um, and obviously there is a critical mass ride being planned for Chapel Street because it is so dangerous for cyclists. So that's um, a timely piece of news, if, if, if not for the poor person who was hit. The uh, cyclist was crossing the road when um, the driver, a 24-year-old, um, ran into them and the driver has been charged with dangerous driving, causing serious injury and reckless conduct, endangering life. Um, and hopefully that cyclist is uh, recovering well. It was um, Saturday night and I haven't heard any updates. No, another... Uh, we're having a, a, a cyclist particular, but generally, Victoria, we're not having... A, we're not going well on this this year. Well, um, driver behaviour... Uh, since COVID has noticeably, I mean, anecdotally, anyone will tell you yeah. driver behaviour is worse. Um, New South Wales, they actually studied it and said that, you know, the um, confirmed driver behaviour in New South Wales is worse since COVID. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at pedestrian and cyclist deaths and injuries last year and this year, um, the way they're rising exponentially compared to other road users, that um, also confirms yep. that the same thing is happening in Victoria. Yeah. Um, look, the other thing is, and probably uh, a little bit on the same, well, it's not on the same topic, but it uh, speaks to the same thing. If you're a rider in from Footscray, Footscray Road is going to close at the end of this month. They're doing a... I think they're closing the inbound traffic for it's a month and a bit and then closing it to the other way. Um, if you are one of those commuters or if you ride it that way, you can find a pretty good uh, timetable about what they're doing and when they're closing the roads. Yeah, and the bike path will be closed for some of that. Yep. And um, there is a due to using Dynan Road, but as we know from the last critical mass ride, there is one section of Dynan Road the most right. dangerous section that doesn't yep. have any sort of protected lanes. So it's um, it's not a great detour. Um, there are a few other suggestions floating around online people are sharing, ah, um, yep. but it's going to depend where you're trying to come from and none of them are going to have the same level of separation from traffic. So, um, again, it's a case of, and we might talk about this later, is you rely far too heavily on having one route for cyclists yep. and you say, right, done. Yep. We don't need any others. Whereas, And then when that has to be closed for some reason, um, people who've been riding separated from traffic are thrown onto uh, often a very heavily trafficked route. So, um, yeah. yeah. Now, listen, we'll be back right after this to actually take a close look at the flyovers in um, the upfield line. Yarrabug would like to thank our sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Tuesday or Thursday. Come and find me and I 
And you're back listening to the Arabuck Radio Show with Val and Faith and our guest today, Paula Hanaz. Paula's a Brunswick resident um, and we thought it would be good to have her in the studio today to talk about the Brunswick Elevated Rail project, um, all the impacts that's going to have, maybe the long-term improvements it may make or what issues it could raise as um you live right in the heart of that uh, that upcoming construction zone <laughs> that's okay yeah i'm uh, very excited in the long term for the elevation of the upfield line i think uh overall that'll be a good outcome for the community in the neighborhood what i guess I'm most concerned about uh, is what's happening during construction, particularly in terms of the uh, upfield line bike path. Mm. That is a path that um, I ride on at least four times a day. And my partner also, um, he rides north up to Coburg. I ride south down to Princess Hill and then into the city. Um, And it's really the only... Uh, artery along which we we commute. We don't have a car. Uh, We have two children that we need to deposit at their various places of learning. And there are very few viable alternatives for us to cycle uh, if, well, when the the upfield line bike path will be closed. So that is our primary concern. Yeah, yeah. And it's like we were just saying, it's that for years, people have been asking, for example, for protected bike lanes on Sydney Road um, and and always being told, well, no, you don't need that. You've got the upfields and now we're going to have this really extended period of closure, um, even putting aside the fact that riding on the upfield doesn't take you to the shops. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so it's, yeah, it's the Marybeck Council have been holding some consultation, so with residents so they can try and come up with the advocacy position when they're talking to the LXRP. Um, You've been at a lot of those roundtables and meetings. What are people raising as the issues that really concern them? Yeah, so basically Marybeck uh, has started its community consultations ahead of the Level Crossing Removal Project, which will do its own separate um, series of consultations. So I guess from the perspective of the Meribet Council, uh, the the focus is on how construction and then the elevated line will affect the, the broader community, not just in terms of the actual railway <laughs> uh, line itself. So what I heard during the three, well, actually the three community roundtables that I attended and then a big town hall meeting that I attended is people are very much concerned about livability, accessibility, mobility, but also that sense of um, heritage uh, and also really the legacy that this project will leave, will live, leave, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> livability, leaving a, a, a legacy. Uh, so very much for myself and I think for the other residents, the, this project isn't just about that sort of uh, north-south railway connection. It's also about uh, east-to-west connections. It's about how we all uh, live and work and play, how it is that we access the different amenity of, of the neighbourhood. Um, so 
yeah, I heard a lot of concerns, uh, obviously, you know, quite rightly about the disruption to traffic. People are concerned about uh, what the closure of the railway line is going to mean for commuters. So uh, if people who would normally take the train into the city would perhaps be trying to decide, well, how are they going to get in into work now with the, the closure of the railway line? There might be some people who would naturally be inclined to use that as motivation to try cycling, but obviously that is not going to be a viable option on that sort of northwest and north south corridor. Uh, so, does that is that going to equal more cars on the roads? Because people who might have otherwise chosen to try cycling might choose it's cars not gonna, instead. That safe option isn't going to exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, at the same time, what we're seeing, I guess, probably the the biggest. Um, uh, source of conversation was what is potentially going to happen or not happen to Sydney Road during construction. So that obviously is is likely to imply more cars on Sydney Road, but then also probably um, greater uptake of um, the tra- tram line, um, the number 19 tram on Sydney Road. Um, presumably there'll be bus replacements for trains as well. Yeah. And then added to that, you've got your cyclists such as myself who will need to continue cycling um, because that's that's the most efficient connection and also I don't have a car. Um, so are we going to be also seeing an increase of, of cyclists on Sydney Road? And that is a massive, massive concern. And the impact on Sydney Road is, um, I mean, because it's not a particularly – friendly road for especially when you've got young kids to to ride down so if you do need to go to the shops and services you know I mean I know a lot of people just avoid it altogether but if you have to you often use the upfield to pop out at different points and access shops and services and people won't be able to do that um and with all the replacement buses and everything the extra congestion I wonder, you know, are we looking at a broader impact for traders there where the business impacts if people can't actually get there? Exactly right. And I think um, one of the problems of Sydney Road, irrespective of what's happening to the Upfield Line Elevation Project, is that it's neither a street nor a road. You know, it's neither an express thoroughfare where cars and and other modes of public transport can get quickly... um, from A to B, nor is it really a street that's a place that's vibrant mm. and lively. It's sort of um, just a not great version of, of either of those, yeah. uh, which I th- think is a problem that's that's always been there. I just think that's going to be exacerbated by uh, during the construction of the upfield line elevation. Yeah, yeah. Have we got a timeline? Have they can, can the big bill come up with a completion date or have they? Uh, not, not to yet. my knowledge, no. Nothing's been released. Probably April or May, I think you'll see the first. Um, at this, this stage, they've been doing their all their geotechnical sort of yeah. um, research yep. um, to find out exactly what they're dealing with. And and they're, you know, they are working on designs, but it's yeah, that'll. I think the timeline is published with the first round of designs. Uh-huh. So. Still time to influence some of the bike path decisions or are they part of that discussion then making sure that under construction there are viable alternatives? I think so. My my understanding is that, yes, with 
I guess part of the problem is that the level crossing removal project is a state yeah, uh, yeah, authority, yeah. obviously, and their primary concern is with the, you know, the, <laughs> the yeah, railway yeah, line yeah. construction itself, the, the build. Uh, and I guess what Mary Beck is more interested in uh, and better able to shape is that that broader sense of place. Mm. Um, yeah. But certainly my understanding is that the Level Crossing Removal Project uh, is indeed very interested in particularly learning lessons from um, the, the stretch of the upfield line further north that had already been yep. elevated and certainly interested in hearing feedback on um, engineering aspects. For example, up at Raynard Street, I believe, there is a pylon that it actually blocks the view of, of cyclists um, coming into Raynard Street on the upfield bike oh, path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my partner comes across this every day, twice a day, that when you're sort of cycling north and you're coming up to the edge of the curb, you might not actually see uh, cars that are sort of hidden from view yeah. by this pylon. And so that seems like a relatively straightforward um, bit of feedback that could be potentially incorporated into the, the engineering plan. So that's the sort of stuff that we're very keen to yeah. also ensure that the Level Crossing Removal Project actually takes on board. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the experience with the Coburg Level Crossing Project was that the detours were diabolically bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one of the reasons I think the detours have been spoken about so much with this one. They... You know, the only reason that that wasn't a complete disaster was we all ended up in lockdown. So the detours didn't really Maybe. end up impacting many people. Mm. But um, it's, you know, the, the de- it really highlighted the detours. You know, you're talking about people who are used to, have chosen this route because it's completely separated from traffic for yeah. most of the way. And and that's, the detour has to be the same. And I think that came out at the rain tables too. Um, and it also can't be that you're directing people to ride an extra two kilometres on this circuitous route exactly. through the suburbs. Especially um, when so many people are taking their, their children to school or yeah. daycare. You know, from my personal perspective, and although I'm not the only one in this situation, uh, our morning routine includes being on both the east and the west side yeah. uh, of the railway line. And, you know, I've, I've got a three-year-old who I have to get across those railway tracks and uh <laughs> you know adding any extra block <laughs> to yep. that routine my my little three-year-old also rides his um balance bike as well and you know it's mornings are already a bit chaotic <laughs> yeah. to say the least and there are other children yeah. traveling exactly. independently so many children to the high schools yep. um and they need to be able to continue traveling independently um you know, a family's routine has been worked out and it's not like, well, suddenly someone can travel with them. Um, exactly. So it's, yeah, there's that whole east-west movement in, and it comes up as a concern after the project because the project is designed to make it easier for motor vehicle traffic to move east-west, but that the knock-on effect of that is things become worse for pedestrians and cyclists. Yeah. So there's this tension between what these projects are designed to do and every part of policy about the Brunswick Activity Centre, it's like, you know, there's one, they're coming from different directions and trying to achieve the complete opposite of the other. So these are all the things mm. the community's trying to work their way through. <laughs> exactly right. 
Yeah. But in some ways it gives us a bit of a blank slate in that actually, you know, you can achieve some things in these in these moments. Yeah, and I think, you know, Mary Beck did well with the Coburg one getting separate bike and pedestrian paths rather than a yep. shared path. Um, and we know that that has from the start been mentioned with this. So, you know, um, that's good. And, and, you know, it's the only opportunity for improving the upfield path at, in the Brunswick end because it is so narrow. Um, so, yeah, the, mm. there's the possibility for positive outcomes. And I think, you know, if you have this really engaged community, um, that's where you're most likely yeah. to get the best outcomes. Paula, can I ask you a question? I know this is a bit out of left field. I know the flyaway down in the south probably didn't have an effect on this, but along the upway there are, there are buildings that are above three or four storeys. Absolutely, yes, and more of them going up. And more of them going up. Yep. Is, is there any noise abatement for it at all? I'm not sure. I think there's sort of... In terms of during construction, no, no, during running of the trains, I'm, I, I honestly don't know. I think what I've heard is that after construction is construction's dreadful, and yeah, most yeah, people yeah. will be re- relocated for yeah, construction. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I have heard is from the Coburg end is that the train noise closer to the line is less. Um, and more of it is dissipated over a wider area at a lower level. Yeah. So, um, and what you do notice with some of the more recent buildings is all those services that used to be on the ground floor are up on the second or third floor. So there's actually a floor with where the apartment, there's no apartments. Ah. And... So the, there's shops and apartments on the ground floor and the floors above except for one at around about the second or third storey. And I wonder if that's because people have thought uh, if this train line goes up. Because they're not running the trains on rubber wheels, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, but it's much I, it's much quieter than I know, I know. prior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, modern rail technology means there are no joints, so you don't get that clunk, clunk. So hmm. you still get the, the train horn, yeah, yeah, tooting yeah. when it needs to, and you'll still get a fair bit of dust and um, yeah, other stuff kicked up by the trains, brakes and stuff yeah. like that. It'll, um, I mean, the what I've read about down south is everybody's very happy with it because it, it's created all this land underneath them, and they don't have a problem with the noise down no. there at all, which is quite fascinating. No, and I've heard the same in Coburg. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, look, from my perspective, we're already close to the train line, so we're already getting the noise and the, the tooting yeah. and the dust. Mm. Um, but that's part and parcel of urban living, and that's a conscious choice that yeah. we made. It works for us and our family. Also, you know, we are fortunate enough to have been ba- able to buy into a building that's, you know, very well um, insulated from the noise. We've got, you know, double glazing and other yeah. uh, well, energy efficiency and, and noise cancelling kind of features in our building. So honestly, that's that's a small price to pay for us as a family to be so close to amenity, to be part yeah. of that twenty-minute neighbourhood, to have the variety of options of active transport and public transport. That means we don't actually have to have a car. So, for us personally, uh, it's a the, the noise is a minor 
minor yeah. inconvenience. And we're, look, we're already putting up with it. We, like I said, there's so much construction going on in our little quarter that yeah. Uh, yeah. it's. <laughs> it's I, I don't know what, what the kids what, will do once the train line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I rec- I, not recently, about four or five years ago, I moved from which was not a busy street. It wasn't actually to a complete a cul-de-sac. I couldn't sleep for four or five. Hours. No. <laughs> it was really quite fascinating. Somebody yeah. said, "What do you think?" Yes. I said, "I'm getting spooked out by the by the lack of noise." Okay, well, that is very definitely yes, all we is. have time for. Um, thanks very much. And a half, so it's all right. No, okay, all right. No, I'm right. looking at the wrong <laughs> clock. <laughs> um, I can't see the clock. Val can see. Oh, so, yeah, and the sorry. the one I can see is a bit fast. Um, thanks very much for coming in, Paula. My pleasure. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot we didn't get to talk about, but it's it's a huge topic. Um, Mary Beck still are taking uh, feedback on issues or bright ideas you have around the project. So when we put the podcast up, we'll po- post a link to that up. But if you want to Google it, it's um, Conversations Mary Beck Brunswick Elevated Rail. There we go. And we'll just briefly mention that coming up on the 31st of March is the next critical mass ride, which will be heading down Chapel Street. And this one for a change, breaking with 20 years of <laughs> 30 no, years of tradition okay. yep. is um, starting from Fed Square instead of the State Library at 5 p.m. But it is a year for breaking with tradition with critical mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be leaving Federation Square at 5 p.m. Uh, there'll be a halfway pickup point at Faulkner Park at 5.45 for those who don't want to come in all the way into the city maybe uh you want to bring the kids but not have them do the whole thing and it will finish at 6 30 at alma park west there we go and look for all those people who remember our lovely show on uh devil and murphy full tilt i've put a link up to a wonderful podcast called backlisted that um has a great retrospective look at her career and especially that book with a couple of lively interviews with her herself. Which oh, is, cool. Which is a great read. It gives yep. you another side of Devil Murphy. It's very good. <laughs> Up next is... Shebop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.